Hello and welcome. You are listening to Dot Mill Docs, the Military Health Systems official podcast. This is episode 99. I'm Russell Carlson and it's Thursday, February 25th, 2010. Today's episode brings a close to Heart Health Month here in the MHS. Our guest is Lieutenant Colonel Scott Moore, Chief of Cardiology at the 59th Medical Wing at Wilford Hall Medical Center at Lackland Air Force Base in the great state of Texas. The Lieutenant Colonel is going to give us a few heart health tips and discuss the prevention of heart disease. Lieutenant Colonel Moore, welcome to Dot Mill Docs. Thank you. So um, could you start by just telling us uh, who you are and what you do? I'm an interventional cardiologist at Wolford Hall Medical Center at Lackland Air Force Base in San Antonio and the uh, chief of cardiology here. Um, So I practice general cardiology as well as interventional cardiology. Okay. So we're here to talk about uh, heart and heart health. Um, So let's talk about heart attack. What exactly is a heart attack? Um, a heart attack is a, a sudden blockage that forms in one of the blood vessels that supplies the heart. Uh, this is usually a clot that forms on top of an existing plaque. Uh, the ex- obstruction of blood flow then prevents oxygen from getting to the heart, and consequently the patient develops chest pain and possibly failure of the heart muscles to adequately pump blood to the rest of the body, and they can even develop uh, abnormal heart rhythms that can potentially be fatal. So it's a result of blood not being able to basically get where it needs to go. Exactly. Hmm. And uh, what's the magnitude of the problem? Like, What's happening with heart attacks? Well, heart disease remains the number one cause of death in the United States. And every year, a little over 400,000 people die from what we call coronary artery disease. And that turns out to uh, it's almost one death every minute that's attributable to uh, heart-related causes. Yeah, in the United States, one one death every minute. That's right. Hmm. Well, what what measures can be taken to decrease the risk of developing this uh, coronary artery disease? Um, a diet that's uh, a healthy diet and an exercise program can significantly reduce um, someone's risk of developing heart disease. Uh, specifically for uh, exercise, the American Heart Association recommends at least 30 minutes of moderate exercise five days a week. And with regard to diet, there are a variety of things that can be done to to lower our heart risk. Um, it's important on a daily basis to consume a variety of, of uh, vegetables and fruits. Uh, focusing on unrefined whole grains is an effective way of addressing cholesterol. And an important thing that we've learned over the last few years is eating fish that are rich in oils, the omega-3 fatty acids or fish oils. And this includes things like salmon, trout, and herring. And if you do this twice a week, that can significantly lower your risk of death from a heart-related cause. Uh, it's also important uh, when you're you know, choosing meats to choose lean meats with poultry, um, removing the skin. And there's been a lot of press in the last couple of years about avoiding trans fats as well. And then finally, it's important to just to, to know the other general risk factors for developing heart disease and make sure that these are controlled. And that will is an important step in decreasing your risk as, as well. Sure, and if I could take you back to exercise real uh-huh. quick, and you said 30 minutes of moderate exercise five right. days a week. What would moderate exercise be? So, you know, there have been several studies that show that, that a brisk walk on most days of the week, you know, walking at a pace where you're a little bit winded, um, not just a casual pace, but at a, at a brisk pace of walking um, is very effective. Um, certainly... Uh, running, 
uh, bicycling, treadmill, or other options, but um, particularly for some of our patients who may be older with um, arthritis issues, um, you know, they're not going to be able to get out and, you know, run. And so a brisk walk is, you know, very effective or a stationary bicycle as well. It's really, you know, some way of getting 30 minutes of a brisk aerobic um, routine in um, really meets that meets that need. Sure. So you don't necessarily have to join a gym or anything. If, if you can walk, right. you can go. Right. And Great. you can work that into your schedule. And there are even some studies suggesting that if you get, you know, three 10-minute periods of exercise in over the course of the day, that's also um, effective. We are going to take a quick break for the Dot Mill Docs Health Beat. That's news and information from the military health system. When we come back, we'll have more with Lieutenant Colonel Moore on heart health. Dot Mill Docs Health Beat. Are you equipped for success? A new issue of MHS Profiles was posted at www.health.mil slash profiles. This seventh issue of the monthly feature takes an in-depth look at the Computer Electronic Accommodations Program, also known as CAP, which offers assistive technology to federal employees with disabilities, wounded service members, federal managers, supervisors, and IT professionals. Check it out to learn more about this important DOD program at www.health.mil profiles. The number of suspected soldier suicides increased in January, and the Army's head of suicide prevention has vowed to sharpen the focus on combating the problem. In the new year, he said, we won't just maintain our current focus on suicide prevention, we're going to sharpen that focus, said Army Colonel Christopher Pilbrook, director of the Army's Suicide Prevention Task Force. The Army's continued dedication to suicide prevention programs is also being recognized. In January, the Suicide Prevention Resource Council and the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention selected the service's Ask, Care, Escort model for inclusion in their National Registry of Best Practices in Suicide Prevention, along with 12 other programs. Scientists at the U.S. Army Tank Automotive Research, Development, and Engineering Center and a professor at Columbia University are working on a collaborative study measuring brain damage on traumatic brain injury patients. It's a large problem to the Army and the soldiers, Thomas Meeksler, a scientist at the Army Center, said during a February 3rd interview on the Pentagon Channel podcast, Armed with Science, Research and Applications for the Modern Military. Soldiers who are exposed to blasts associated with roadside bombs often are not aware of any resulting mild TBI and return to duty without proper medical diagnosis and treatment. The study, a cooperative research and development agreement between TARDEC and the Columbia University Medical Center, is helping to determine what areas of the brain are susceptible to damage and measuring how the brain is engaged while performing certain functions. All these stories and more are available at health.mil. Log on to stay up to date. This has been your .mil Docs Health Beat. For the military health system, I'm Elizabeth McCleary Kill Lockwood. Welcome back to Dot Mill Docs. Lieutenant Colonel Scott Moore, Chief of Cardiology at the 59th Medical Wing at Wilford Hall Medical Center, is on the phone with us today talking about heart health and easy steps you can take to lower your risk of heart disease. All right, so let's talk about risk factors. What are the risk factors for uh, coronary artery disease? Well, um there's some that we can modify and some that we can't. Um, a family history of heart disease is a risk factor. Uh, high blood pressure or hypertension, high cholesterol, uh, diabetes, and tobacco use are really the major risk factors. And um, it's important for all of us to continue to see our doctor on a regular basis to make sure that, that we're screened for these and that these risk factors are appropriately being addressed. Well, what are the signs and symptoms of a heart attack? How will I know if I'm having them? The most common symptom would be um, chest discomfort that typically begins in the center of the chest, usually lasts for more than a few minutes, and 
go away and come back. And patients will describe it as a pressure, tightness, squeezing, a fullness, or sometimes just a pain. Um, but you, you can have discomfort in other parts of the body. Sometimes the pain will radiate um, to the arms, the, the neck or jaw, um, and even to the stomach or back. Some patients may have some shortness of breath as well, and then there are some other associated symptoms like you know, nausea, sweats, or lightheadedness that might also accompany the chest pain and, and shortness of breath that patients often note. Is it is it usually described as like a, a dull pain or more of a sharp pain? More of a dull pain, a heaviness or a pressure are the typical um, complaints, and patients may even uh, hold their chest as they're describing it. Um, in, in, in an effort to kind of localize the pain. Mm-hmm. Are there differences in symptoms between men and women? Women also, for women, the most common symptom is chest pain, but, but women are somewhat more likely to have some of the other, other symptoms um, like nausea, uh, diaphoresis, maybe uh, pain radiating to the, the jaw, um, things that sometimes... Uh, make the diagnosis maybe less straightforward. Uh, mm-hmm. well, and if someone develops these symptoms and thinks that they might be having a heart attack, what, what do you do? It's you know, very clear that the, the best thing someone can do is to call 911. That's going to be the fastest way to get um, life-saving treatment. Sure. Um, the emergency medical services can begin treatment as soon as they arrive, um, um, up to an hour sooner than if someone gets to the hospital by car. Um, the EMS staff are also trained to revive someone's heart in the event that they do develop one of those potentially fatal heart rhythms. Um, it, it has become very clear over time that patients who arrive to the hospital with a heart attack by way of an ambulance, um, get treated faster than patients who drive themselves. Just that, that ambulance has priority when they get here. Um, the other benefit of calling 911 is that now in most major metropolitan areas across the country, hospitals and emergency services are coordinating efforts in order to allow the paramedics to actually activate the hospital heart attack treatment teams before the patient ever leaves their home. And what that does is it dramatically improves the speed with which the heart attack can be treated with what we call a balloon angioplasty or a stent procedure where we take a catheter in and and open up that blockage because basically before the patient leaves their home, the EMS team has activated the team at the hospital. And so we're here waiting for the patient when they arrive. And here at Wolford Hall Medical Center, we've been fortunate to participate in these efforts for the city of San Antonio. Um, And in 2009, over 90% of our heart attack patients were successfully treated within uh, 90 minutes of arriving at our facility. And that, that far exceeds the goals that have been set by the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association um, for treating heart attacks. So it just reflects that importance of that, that early activation of the system and how important time is in, in getting normal blood flow restored. Yeah, and, and the point is call an ambulance. Don't get call somebody to drive you. Exactly, exactly. So um, what resources are available for patients to learn more about heart disease and ways to lead a healthy heart lifestyle? The uh, American Heart Association has a couple of very useful resources on their website at AmericanHeart.org. They've got one uh, portal in particular um, 
that's hearthub.org um, that is specifically designed for patients and goes through and describes all the different risk factors, ways that you can modify those. Um, and so it's a very useful tool. Great. Well, Lieutenant Colonel Moore, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing this information with us today. You're welcome. And that does it for us this week on Dot Mill Docs. You can join us next week. Please do as we celebrate 100 episodes of Dot Mill Docs. Our guest will be Dr. James Kelly, a neurologist who is one of America's top experts on treating concussion. He's been appointed the director of the new National Intrepid Center of Excellence being built in beautiful Bethesda, Maryland. The center is a component of the Defense Centers of Excellence for Psychological Health and Traumatic Brain Injury. Dr. Kelly will talk with us about how the center will help members of the military with treatment and diagnosis of just that, psychological health problems and traumatic brain injury. So come back next week. We'll be here. Until then, see you on Health.mil. This program is a product of the Office of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Affairs, Military Health System. Mill Docs features the most relevant military health topics important to you and your family. If you have questions or topics you'd like to see on an upcoming episode, send us an email at dotmildocs at tma.osd.mil. That's D-O-T-M-I-L-D-O-C-S at tma.osd.mil. Visit health.mil for more episodes. 